Welcome to a special edition of Breaking Badness. In this episode for the Human Element miniseries, we're joined by Alyssa Miller, application security advocate at Sneak. We sat down at RSA to discuss empathy and security, the hiring gap, Alyssa's upcoming book, and toxic humility. This special episode of Breaking Badness is next. Alyssa, thank you so much for taking the time. This is an insane week. You're just talking to me before the recording started about your schedule. Um, and I can't imagine how many Red Bulls and how much caffeine you must ingest to keep up with that. <laughs> I am living at Starbucks this week, <laughs> let me tell you. But no, thank you for having me on. I'm super excited uh, to, to be here. I mean, when, when I got the message from you about joining, I absolutely couldn't be more honored. Thank you. I think in the future, what we need to do is prepare IV caffeine drips for people like you or a nonstop. You know, that'd be the one of the giveaways for the podcast. Be like, here, just hook up. We'll do this. You'll leave recharged. I'm saying we'll just, you know, you got the people with the flags hanging up off their back. Yes. You could just do that as like the IV Perfect. hanger. We'd be good. Now we're and talking. I am totally selling this next year. <laughs> We are going to do this thing. We are yeah. going to. This is our new startup. We're going to change RSA forever. Oh, All totally. Shows. This is our new startup. I'm going to go find an investor. They're they're around today. Oh, we'll, I'm sure we'll get funding. We're in the right place for that. They'll yeah. fund that. I totally bet they'll fund that. Oh my gosh. Well, anyway, love having you here, and I think these events are a great time to reflect on the previous year, thinking back to where we were in 2019 when we were at this very show and this painfully bright, you know, bright room. Um, what we've seen change since then. And because the security industry can be a little bit dreary sometimes, I like to start on a positive note and ask what you've seen improve um, in the past year in the industry. What have I seen improve? Well, I mean, and I hate to go here as the start, but we'll go there anyway. <laughs> I, I have seen actually just a lot of improvement in terms of overall empathy which is such a nebulous thing to go into. You know, you're expecting, can we talk something really technical? Well, no. I mean, you look at things like what we're doing around DevOps, what we're doing with uh, email and how we're approaching email security now. I mean, 20 years of email security and we still can't secure it. Um, you know, we're understanding that users aren't dumb. They have a different skill set. Um, and so we're seeing that and it's showing up in a lot of ways and I think we are really starting to understand the value of having people in this industry who have diverse backgrounds because they help us reach people like that. So it's great to have former developers in our community because how else, how better to reach developers than somebody who's been there? Um, you know, it, it's great to have people who came from a business world and got into here, into security because they understand that side. And so honestly, I mean, a long way to go. But that's something I've noticed just even in the last year. The community has really started to change and embrace that. I love that. And I love that reframe of a different skill set because that's exactly what it is, right? It's not something that's top of mind for all people ever. And once we accept and embrace that and find ways to, to touch and communicate with people, that's when we're actually going to have a, a real impact. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. we can sit here and talk. You know, human element, is, you know, that's right? what we're doing here. <laughs> um, but it's, it's true, right? I yeah. mean, that's... We have all the technology in the world and the technology has proven it can't secure us. We've got to, as human beings, secure ourselves. Absolutely. And so as security professionals, we, it's, it's incumbent on us to reach people and to help them understand, hey, 
these are the best practices. These are the things you should be doing to yeah. secure yourself, secure your, what essentially to borrow a term from a colleague, just secure your way of life. Mm, yeah, so. absolutely. And we could go into a whole another discussion about uh, something that's been brought to my attention from being in the security industry is this whole conversation around stalkerware and how technology can be used for really nefarious purposes on a personal level. So it's kind of interesting, the issues that are bubbling up. And so having those types of skills to protect yourself from those horrible things is also so important as well. It, yeah, it's crucial. And in fact, I think, like you said, we're becoming more aware and more communicative about that too. Yeah. I just saw a pr really good presentation last year at uh, B-Sides Las Vegas. Mm. And, um, you know, it was in their, I forget what they call their kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, sorry, newbie track. Um, but, you know, for people who hadn't presented before and this gentleman got up there and just phenomenal mm. discussion about just little tactics you can follow how to have, I mean, basically even down to like escape plans and stuff, but really yeah. what to do when you have that situation where an ex or somebody is, you know, coming after you or you've had something exposed in terms of revenge porn or whatever and right. how to 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 get around that and yeah i mean you know and everything from how to even what to do if yeah you've got stalkerware on your phone or how to detect it how to deal with that situation you know you, so it's That's really cool it's impressive a uh, big shout out too to like badass army and these other nonprofits that are popping up to help provide people with access to tools to survive those types of situations as well yeah for sure i mean some of my favorite women out there are working with that or that particular organization i mean it's so just cool. amazing yeah. i i love what badass is doing yeah. um you know and it's it's so disappointing to see some of the the heat that they take for what they're doing it's like how, how can this ever be a bad thing right <laughs> Like, exactly. <laughs> you're helping women fight or people in general because it's yeah. not just women and and they've acknowledged that it's predominantly women but yeah. um, you know anybody who's been subject to revenge porn I mean you know and it's I just don't understand how helping victims of a crime is ever a bad thing. Right. It's very strange to me. Right. There's so many things like that in security where we're having discussions where we have to say things that just feel like foundational fundamental human rights but yet we are having to say something like that on a podcast to be like i don't understand why <laughs> this would yeah. upset anybody <laughs> and then you start to question the people who are upset by it yes hmm. why is well, this that, <laughs> yeah and that leads well maybe into the next question which is the flip side of that what do we need to improve as an industry oh god well i already <laughs> said we need to keep going on the empathy thing there's yeah. lots of room to grow there mm -hmm. um you know i i think as a whole, we need to really start changing attitudes. And, you know, and that's why I actually, I'm, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm really loving this human element theme they've got at RSA this year. It's, you know, because that's really where it's going. Um, you know, I was in a, in a panel yesterday and I mean, and I warned them, I prefaced it. I'm like, I'm basically throwing the explosive device into the middle of the room here because <laughs> y'all are either going to love this or hate this. But Data. What are we doing in business with data right now? Everybody's talking about data as it's an asset. That is the biggest mistake we ever made. Because data is not an asset, it's a liability. When every piece of data that you take 
comes with obligations from a regulatory perspective, a privacy perspective, uh, just simple technical debt of, hey, I've got to have a place to store that data. You know, all these things, anything that I'm going to hold in terms of data, it, it's a liability. Yeah. But no one thinks about it that way. We think about it like an asset, which, I mean, and this is where you can get into arguments, like data by itself alone has no inherent value whatsoever. It's right. only if you can use it for something that it actually has value. You can use it for something or somebody else can. That gives it right. value. It's not like a car. Like a car, even if nobody wants to buy that car from me, mm -hmm. I can take it to the junkyard. All that metal is worth something. There is some inherent value in that vehicle. Right. You don't have that with data. It is, yeah. you know, even from a, an accounting perspective, it's a liability. And I think if we started looking at it that way, we would be better about protecting it. We wouldn't have this issue of data hoarding that we're doing right now. Everybody's trying to monetize data, but it's like we need the Marie Kondo of data <laughs> to come in here and get people. If it's not creating revenue for you, right. get rid of it. Yeah. Get it out because it's just causing you problems. What a fantastic point. What yeah. <laughs> How did people respond in the panel? Exactly the way I would have predicted. There was... A good chunk of the room nodding heads and like, you know, their eyes kind of open wide. And then you had the like the really incredulous eyebrow raises. <laughs> it's like the State of the I Union. Mean, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's like and I mean, I, I knew that was going to happen, especially given the particular audience. It was uh, a lot of uh, investors and venture capitalists, things like that. Mm. So, you know, the ones who are right now building entire business models on the idea of monetizing data. Which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I have right. nothing against that per se. I mean, some of the practices that go with it get problematic. That's a different story. <laughs> but, you know, but it's being smart about how you monetize it. Not, I'm going to just hold all this data because I might want it at some time and it might become useful to me. No, I have this plan. So I need these specific data points. I'm going to grab those three things and that's all I'm going to keep. Right. You know, that's all we need to do. Yeah. So... Well, and it sounds like a lot of that, too, is coming from what you were mentioning earlier about being able to pull in different skill sets so we can have a more well-rounded approach from an organizational standpoint for security, right? So if you have people with maybe a background in the data aspect that are actually collaborating with the security folks, they might find an even more efficient and secure way to do all of that. And it just makes me happy to think about that utopia. <laughs> that would be wonderful. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. So it, yeah. it is utopia. We, yeah. we're, we're always going to be chasing it. Yeah. Um, I mean, but yeah, right now, I just wish people even knew what they had in their environments. You know, yeah. um, that was a, another thing we talked about is just the fact that you've got people building software today, right? But you used to think about your application. You build an application, there's a thousand lines of, or a hundred thousand lines of code. Your developers wrote those hundred thousand lines. Right. Well, anybody who's programmed in the last 10 years know that is not the case anymore. You know, you write a thousand line application or a hundred thousand line application, maybe a thousand, five thousand lines of that are your developers. Everything else is like dependencies you pulled in from the outside. Mm. And each of those dependencies has dependencies, which those have dependencies. And then you, know, you have this huge dependency tree. Yeah. So at the end of the day, a vulnerability comes out in a package that you don't even realize you're dependent on. Mm. And how do you how do you discover that? And so, mm. you know, that's something that we're starting to address. I mean, the, the company I work for now does. That's kind of what we do. 
um, or it's exactly what we do. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, really, it, it, that's, and we had that conversation too, because we've seen it not just in pure software, but last year there was a release from the FDA said there's this vulnerability and it's escaping me now which package it was in, but an open source package, nobody from the medical device makers through to the FDA could say which medical devices were affected. That's Ooh, a scary thought. That's terrifying. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so going along with that whole data conversation, how do we just know what we have, you right. know, and, and starting to really address that and address where we're pulling, you know, it's great that we're doing DevOps and we're speeding things up. We're making things faster and faster and faster. But we also got to, if we're going to empower developers with that ability to do that, we need to empower them with the ability to secure all that too. Absolutely. So, so that's back to that whole empathy thing. See how I brought that full circle? Oh, that was beautiful. <laughs> I love that. And that comes up, and I, I'm pretty sure every single conversation I have with folks at these shows, which is really cool to hear, and I just have a lot of personal respect for people that go to work every day and are incredibly anxious on behalf of the user and the people they're protecting and sort of putting their emotional um, energy on the line to, to hold that stuff as safely as they can, which is really cool and really hard work yeah i mean the the blue teamers in particular special place in my heart oh my gosh because i've been there yeah um, i think we all have at some point and you're right i mean the the level of stress that it can cause the amount of burnout we're seeing i know yeah. i know you i think you talked to chloe the other day and i know yeah. she's doing a talk here at some point or at b-sides one of them on yeah. on just yeah the the issues of mental health among security professionals and and the level of burnout and things. And so you bring up a really good point. Yeah, my heart goes out for people in that space and, you know, who that's their daily life is working in an org. I did that for years and years and years. Yeah. And I'm not doing that at the moment. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that right now. <laughs> that's, um, I, I have noticed a trend when I'm just looking through these major shows, how many different sessions are actually on sort of how to protect your mental health. And I'm really glad to see that, just like the stalkerware talk we were referring to earlier. So we're calling attention to it as an, as an industry as well, which is great. Outside yeah. of just skills gap, quote unquote, right? Um, I would like to hear your thoughts on that. I was going to say, you did, that, you did that on purpose. You knew how that, that term freaks me out. Oh, God, the skills gap. Yeah, so let's talk skills gap for a minute because... Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Does it exist? Yeah, it probably does. Um, there, there's no denying, first of all, that there are tons of jobs open that aren't getting filled. But I have a problem with the term skills gap. I don't think it's a problem of there's not enough skilled people. I think what we have is a serious hiring disconnect. Or I saw somebody the other day in an article called it a hiring gap. And it's, you look at what we're asking for, these unicorns that we're trying to find. So job descriptions are horrible right now. I mean, you've got an entry-level job description that's asking for a CISSP. Well, what's wrong with that picture? Oh yeah, the CISSP, five years of experience required before you can have the cert. <laughs> Not gonna find uh, someone entry-level. Yeah. My favorite, I saw a job description a while back said 10 to 15 years of experience in AWS. Unless you're Jeff Bezos. <laughs> I don't think you're going to fill that. Right. Um, I mean, that's problematic. Right. Um, but I also think kind of to like I was talking about with, you know, again, this idea of there's so many diverse skills that are applicable to security. 
we don't recognize that as an industry. We definitely don't recognize it as, from the business perspective when we're trying to hire. Yeah. We have these very definitive you know, criteria that we want this person to fit and where we, we really fail to see how do we get beyond that? How do we identify potential in people where, you know what? Yeah, you're, you're 25. You spent the last seven years working as a barista at Starbucks. What did that teach you? Well, it taught you a hell of a lot mm -hmm. that you can use in security because it taught you how to read people. It right. taught you how to influence people. It taught you how to manage multiple crazy busy inputs at the same time. I yes. mean, do you watch what these people do? Yeah. It's amazing. It really like, is. Like, you're telling me you don't think that you could apply that skill set to cybersecurity? Come on. That's the person I want looking at the alerts coming through in the sock. I'm telling you, right? Like perfect, yeah. perfect candidate to be in a sock watching a sim. So true. And, yeah. and But we don't connect that. And we're so focused on, oh, you've got to have experience with Splunk because we use Splunk. Or you got to have experience with you, you know, ArcSight or you name it, whatever product that we're right. using in a sock today. And we don't see that we could bring a lot of individuals into this community of cybersecurity by just recognizing that you don't have to be a programmer or systems admin or somehow technically adept that way to be a very valuable resource in what we're trying to do in defending our world. Yeah. And this is just a perfect segue. I talked about this a little bit with Chloe yesterday, but this new podcast that you have an ITSP, The Uncommon Journey. That's yes. right. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. So the Uncommon Journey is focused on literally, you're right, it's a perfect segue <laughs> because it's exactly what we're focusing on. On the Uncommon Journey, we're bringing in guests who have just a wide range of stories about how they got into security. And some of these stories are really fascinating. And it all started, Chloe, Phil, and I each have kind of unique stories. Like I was a pre-med major. Oh, wow. And I somehow ended up as a programmer and then in cybersecurity. It, it's weird. Chloe was a humanitarian. Yeah, Phil, he was a bouncer and a bear wrestler. Okay? Like, these are not typical skill sets you think of that are going <laughs> to apply to a cybersecurity role. Right. But it happens. And those stories are out there in the community everywhere. Yeah. And so our hope is... You know, we tell these stories, we get these people, our guests, to share this with the community. We want to touch those people who want to be a part of this community are having a hard time finding their way in yeah. so that they understand you've got something to bring. But I also want to touch those people who are going to be hiring or looking to hire people and help them start to see, I might be looking in the wrong places. So that's our goal, is really just to draw those stories out and it goes well, I mean, even with, um, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit, a book <laughs> that I'm writing right now. Oh, cool, yes. Um, so I was fortunate enough to, to uh, get the opportunity to write a book. And, you know, it was it's meant to be a guide for building a career in security. But one of the things I, you know, I proposed to the publisher right away was, look, I don't want to build checklists and all these things like we've seen in you know, resources that have tried to approach this topic before. Right. I want to really highlight how do you take what you have right now mm -hmm. and parlay that into your career? Because I, I think that. that's really important. Yeah. And that's where I think we're going to start to see if, if there is a gap of any fashion, that's what's going to close it. Yes. I love that. And I'll have to say, too, I'd say 90% of the people that I've interviewed for Breaking Badness 
have a quote-unquote uncommon journey. And I think that really compounds the issue of imposter syndrome, especially for female-identifying people. And it's it's so interesting, and it makes me so happy to hear that that's being called attention to in your podcast and bringing people on and giving um, giving people examples of success that don't have the structured, whatever you would claim for that to be, journey into security. Yeah, well, it, it's so daunting. You bring up imposter syndrome, and I know you know from... Uh, you know, many a Twitter rant on my part that that's another thing that's just, you know, I would love to stomp out of this industry, but it, it's tough. Yeah. And it does, you know, every study I've seen does show it disproportionately affects women more than men. Um, and I mean, some of that's due to representation. But uh, so Juliet O'Coffer and I yesterday spoke at She Speaks Security on building personal brand. And imposter syndrome was one of the things we talked about because, you know, you have this concept, I call it toxic humility. Like we are taught not to brag about ourselves. Right. I mean, you, you hear that like a minute ago, I mentioned I'm writing a book. Well, what did I do first? I had to sit there and preface it like, right. oh, I'm going to brag about myself because we feel bad for sharing our successes. Well, that gets to toxic levels and it can destroy people. It mm-hmm. takes people out of a community that is, would ultimately welcome them. And it's due in part, I mean, we've got so much to learn. Yeah. Everybody knows something. And there's this concept that I've, I've seen talked about a lot, the what you think they know versus what they actually know. Right. So you talk to 20 people, you're going to hear about all the things that they know. Because people talk about the things they know. They don't talk about things they don't know. So now somehow in your mind, all 20 of these people have all the knowledge of all 20 people. And you're like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. And now it's like, so you have this big picture. And what you don't realize is each of them just has that little pocket of knowledge. You somehow attributed that level of knowledge to all of them. Wow. And it looks like there's all these really smart people who know everything about everything and you don't. And so you feel like you don't belong. Interesting. And so, yeah, it's, you know, we see it at conferences. You know, you see the, the names that you see a lot that are speaking, and you, you're like, God, they just know so much. I'll never be like them. Baloney. They know about that topic because they researched it and they spend time on it. But I guarantee you, you can find another topic that they, they will gladly tell you they don't know Jack. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it, it's remembering that and just... Yeah. Looking at yourself and being willing to be honest that, yeah, I, I've done some really good stuff. I have some really good knowledge and I have something I can bring to people. Yeah, so. I love that. <laughs> That's such a great reminder. I know I need to work on that, too. It's so easy to be self-deprecating to fall back into that sort of that crutch and play that role in a, some sort of environment yeah. that you're sitting in. So For sure. Yeah. And yeah, it's we all need the reminder. Yeah. So. Well, I'm very excited to read this book. That sounds like everything I've ever wanted to read in those types of uh, career books. So that's wonderful. I'm, um, I'm excited to get it out. So I well, can't wait. Hopefully <laughs> should be published in paper before this conference next year. Amazing. Um, it'll actually uh, it'll be available as an advanced online availability. Oh, cool. uh, hopefully before Hacker Summer Camp. That's amazing. Um, so that would be nice. Um, I actually just sent in my, you know, submitted my first chapter. So oh. we are well on our way. But, How did uh, that feel? 
<laughs> daunting. Yeah. I'm, I'm really actually quite nervous because I've been told the first chapter is always the heaviest with edits and changes. So we'll see. But yeah. Oh my gosh. You know. Well, I'll definitely make sure that I'm retweeting that when you publish both versions, digital and electronic or digital I've, and paper. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, and yeah, obviously you'll, you might see a little bit of activity from me around that too. <laughs> well, I want to be respectful of your time. And okay. just like we started on a positive note, I want to end on one. And the question I like to ask is around people in the industry, you want to give props. I think we've kind of talked about how security can be a rather thankless job. A lot of, there are a lot of people doing a lot of really cool things. And if there's anybody that you look up to that you just want to give a little shout out to. Oh my God, there's such a laundry list. <laughs> Who the heck do I even talk about? Um, so I'll give a few, okay. um, but I'll make them quick. Uh, Jason Street, uh, a name we all know and love, I think. Um, amazing for what he has done to make it okay to be vulnerable in a public space and to really share what is going on and you know and what is not always the, the sexiest thing. Um, I actually just uh, met with somebody for the first time. I've talked with a lot online. Her name's Alyssa Knight. And you know she's doing a lot of really wonderful things around just trying to bring out you know, conversation about topics that are typically pretty controversial that people don't want, you know, they kind of shy away from. And uh, she's a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, I feel like, I, I mean, I, God, again, I could go on for days about this. Um, I'm gonna just, I'm actually gonna give the big shout out to Diana Initiative in general. Um, anyone who's not heard of Diana Initiative, it's a very affirming conference that is held every year during Hacker Summer Camp. Um, I believe I just saw yesterday they're expecting, um, you know, over a thousand attendees this year. Nice. Um, and it's just designed to to bring, you know, in particular the female voice, but just a more equitable voice to security and start you know, really building up what it is that we do uh, in supporting each other. So to everybody involved there, Cheryl and Virginia and everybody, great great group of people and i'm very excited about that that is wonderful and chloe was talking about uh, when we were doing our interview yesterday that they're trying to remember exactly how many people they're trying to sponsor for the the whole cost around the show all three conferences right and airfare and hotel um so just reminding people to go and donate um if you're a company do that and also there are scholarships forms you can fill out online as yes. well Yes, there are. Um, I know they sent uh, nine women, I believe, last year to the conference. Um, and yeah, you can donate. You don't even have to go to the conference. You can just donate. Uh, certainly, I know they would appreciate that. Um, the earrings I'm wearing today, these are, you know, I got these for part of a donation last Ooh. year. Um, so thank you, Lockpick Extreme, for those. Aww. I'll give you guys a little shout out. But yeah, um, so good people, good stuff. Yeah. If you're at all interested, I encourage you to check it out, submit your CFP, uh, you know, donate, whatever you can do. Awesome. Well, I would love to end on that note. That's fantastic and positive. Alyssa, thank you so much for your time. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of an RSA conference here. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so glad to be on today. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. 
That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.